when when the plane comes out of its parabola, which I, I probably need to explain that, all of a sudden now you, you go from weighing zero to weighing twice your body weight. So like me, I weigh about 200. All of a sudden for about 30 seconds, I weigh 400 pounds. And that does weird things to your stomach. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we talk to athletes, adventurers, and business owners from around the world of adventure sports. Whether you're climbing Mount Everest, starting a bike shop, or getting up off your couch to take your kids hiking for the first time, we want you to have the motivation and inspiration you need to chase that next adventure. The Adventure Sports Podcast is brought to you by Camp Crate, the leaders in fully planned self-guided backpacking adventures, as well as backpacking gear rental. You can check them out at campcrate.net. So Mondays take up 15% of your life. Don't spend your whole life not looking forward to 15% of it. I hope your Monday is not stereotypical. I hope you have a great Monday. And I hope this show helps that out a little bit, because that is a huge chunk. That's one-seventh of our life. And frankly, I, I don't look forward to it all the time. Sorry, my dog's walking in the background, and he and my other dog are crawling in a very small kennel together. That's not going to work, Herc. <laughs> anyway, uh, you can probably tell from the title, today's episode is really unique. It is with Kurt Liljadal, and he... This is definitely outside of what we usually talk about, but it just sounded like a really cool story. He's had some experiences with zero gravity when he was a physics teacher um, during his career, and he had two separate experiences where he was able for quite a long time to, to go hang out with NASA and do zero gravity experiments and uh, just really amazing experiences so i i we've never talked about that and one thing we always strive for on this show is to talk about sports we don't typically talk about aside from our our main ones our go-tos and i i didn't know a whole lot about the world of zero gravity and kurt just so does he does a fantastic job explaining it very interesting stuff uh you know if you didn't expect to listen to a podcast today about zero gravity well join the club um it is monday and I don't want it to be a typical Monday for you. So this is a great way to spend it. And so, well, you know, you can let's do this on Tuesday or Wednesday or a year from now if you want. It didn't matter to me. <sighs> but thank you to our patrons. We have a few new patrons and we'll announce names at the end of the month. Appreciate it. There are still a lot of you whose cards were declined uh, around the first of the month. Um, we'd really appreciate it if you checked on that. See if you can get that going again. And if you'd like to become a patron, a.k.a. supporter of the show, patreon.com slash Podcast. You can support the show for as little as a dollar a month, but you will get access to extra bonus episodes and material uh, for if you do $5 a month or more. And the link to that is in the show notes, so we'd really appreciate that. Also, give us a call. It's 812-MAIL-POD, like voicemail podcast, 812-MAIL-POD. Call and leave a voicemail. Send us an email if you have anybody that'd make a good guess. We are really booked up right now, which is awesome. Uh, but we want to keep that train rolling because once this baby's born, I ain't going to have a whole lot of time <laughs> to work on this. So I'm trying to get as much 
interviews done as possible. But anyway, man, I, I hope you're getting out there and doing something this year. I know we haven't talked a lot about that New Year's resolution of of getting out there, doing something exciting every chance you get. If it's a bike ride around the block, if it's a walk around the park near your house, or if it's doing the whole, whole freaking AT, do it. We, we There's all of y'all from all around the world that listen to this show. Get out there, do something out of your comfort zone this week that involves the outdoors, that involves adventure sports, and email us to tell us about it. We want to hear from you. We want to keep pushing you to reach your potential. So let's get out there, do something crazy. Speaking of doing something crazy, here is Kurt Liljadal with Zero Gravity. Oops, actually, one last thing. Uh, you, this is not the first time we've had this type of episode. We actually back way back in episode 81, we had Story Musgraves, an astronaut, talk about space travel. So I tell you what, we're going to play this episode today. And, and on Thursday, our revisited episode, we'll, we'll do this episode. We'll do Story Musgraves, the astronaut, because, you know, this whole show is about expanding your horizons in the world of adventure. There's not a whole lot out there that's more adventurous than being an astronaut. And the fact that one was on this show is pretty stinking cool. So we're we're going to do that. All right. Now here's the episode. And so uh you let's start off with uh you you were you're a 28-year career physics teacher? Yes, yes. That's a long time to teach. Oh, my wife did 32. So Oh my gosh. So I take it you're not doing that anymore. No, we retired. We were lucky enough to retire at a pretty young age of 54. So we uh, moved up here to Iowa and live on a lake and just kind of kick back and relax now. Wow, that's awesome. So so where did you teach? We taught in McAllen, Texas, or I taught in McAllen, Texas. She taught in Sherryland, Texas. Wow. Now is that the high school level? Yes, I was. She was a reading specialist elementary. I was high school. Nikki Rowe High School. Nikki Go Warriors. All right. Cool. Yeah, that's uh, my wife teaches fourth grade, and it's her fourth year. And man, it is. She pulls, and she has some leadership roles at the school, but she pulls some long days, long, long days. Like, oh it yeah, puts me to shame. Yeah, nobody works harder than elementary teachers. I'm here to tell you, it's unreal. Like we we figured out her hourly rate um, based on how many hours she's actually there. And she coaches a few sports, and man, it is dismal what she's what she's making compared to the amount of time. But she she does have a huge impact on the students, which has got to be really rewarding. It is, it is. What state are you in? I mean, do they pay well there? Or? Oh yeah, we're we're in Denver, Colorado. Okay, okay. So, so it's not bad, but uh, she she I know she gets up at four every morning. She's out the door about five thirty. And, oh, good. And last night she got home at eight thirty. Oh, no, 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 no. And I know that's yeah. not the same for everybody, but, but she she loves to work and, and loves to take on lots of responsibilities. But uh, Yeah. But. Yeah, I, I was a coach, too, so I, I understand the long hours. Oh, yeah. So, so as a physics teacher, you had the opportunity to do some something we've actually never talked about on the show before, at least to not to my knowledge. We have uh-huh. talked to an astronaut um, but that was many years ago and I actually didn't do the interview, but you were, you had the chance of going into a zero gravity experience twice. Yes. 
What was that like? Um, unbelievable. They, um, I mean, for one thing, just to get the opportunity to do it, because, I mean, who gets to train as an astronaut, not train as an astronaut, but go on those zero-G planes, you know, astronauts. And then now there's a corporation out there called Zero-G Corporation that does it for private citizens, but it's uh, for like uh, 5400 bucks for uh, 15 parabolas. You know, a parabola is what you do with the plane and get the 30 seconds of zero G in. So 5,400 bucks for seven and a half minutes of zero G. You know, that's pretty pricey. That's not a bad hourly, hourly rate for whoever's <laughs> running the company. Golly, that's unreal. Right. So, so yeah, there's some more opportunities, but man, I, I don't know anybody that's ever done anything like that. And so how did you get the experience and, and what, what, what was the process of like going to the location and, and, Figuring it all out. Okay. Well, I'll start with the first time I did it in 2001. The Texas Space Grant Consortium out of Austin, Texas sponsored this thing. And um, they just, you know, they're trying to get people enthused about science, this, that, and the other thing. So they they had this contest through our, our regional area, education area things. And uh, you had to submit a experiment that you would do if you had the opportunity to experience zero gravity. So I asked my students, I said, there's this contest for zero G, who wants to do it? And out of uh, 120 students, I had like six kids that wanted to try, which I'm thinking you big wieners, you know, oh, why don't you, you kidding want me? That sounds yeah. awesome. Like who yeah. wouldn't want to do that? Uh, well, that's kind of where I was thinking. But um, so we, we submitted, I, I, out of the six kids, one girl unfortunately had to drop out and one young man was um, from the Philippines. And so being a, you know, we were going to NASA, he couldn't take part in the flight. So we just had him as like our flight crew and stuff like that. But um, we submitted uh, what we would do if we were to go in outer space. And basically what the premise of that experiment was, they train astronauts in a swimming pool under neutral buoyancy. So we came up with a series of little things that we were going to do while scuba diving at neutral buoyancy. And then we were going to compare those, I guess, subjectively to if we could do those same things in zero gravity, you know. So, so what, what did you propose doing that was different than what they currently did for training? Uh, we were just going to do little things like, you know, swimming an obstacle course through um, uh, like uh, hula hoops or picking up objects, you know, off off the floor of the pool or whatever. Just little movement things, you know, flips and all that. Wow. And so, so that won you the competition? Uh, it won our region, our region. They selected like two schools from each region. There's eight regions in the state of Texas, and I think they pulled in a couple from Arizona. But yeah, it won our region, so we were afforded the opportunity. We went up to um, NASA, which is in like Clear Lake, Houston, up there by Friendswood and like that, and um, kind of had to raise some money. It was going to cost me about five thousand bucks, and but the school was generous enough, and some private organizations were generous enough to help us out with that. And so we raised the money and went up there and we were there like 10 days. Why? So, so it was that long of, a, of an experience. And why is that? We did. 
they wanted us to do, first of all, some physiological training. And I think that was mostly for education. But we talked about, you know, um, balance of the human body and, you know, the effects of zero gravity on the body. A lot of training, just, you know, some lectures and stuff like that that they give the astronauts. And then we also um, got to experience and, and they toured us all around NASA. That was kind of cool, too. But then we got to experience the altitude chamber that they have that there. And I don't know if you've ever it's roughly the size of the inside of a school bus. OK. And um, you sit down in there and then nice chairs and everything. And they say, all right, if you're if you get claustrophobic in any way, now's the time to get out. Because what they do is they seal the door, kind of like submarines and everything, and they start sucking the air out to simulate higher altitudes. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, less air pressure. And so they um they they suck the air out. And when you know you think about like Mount Everest is what, twenty nine thousand feet, the death zone is 25,000 feet and and your average jet plane is pressurized to about 8,000 feet so they sucked out the air slowly until we were at like 20 I think we did 26,000 feet okay wow could you tell the difference immediately uh it was it was interesting in that you kind of get loopy you know yeah, because yeah. lack of oxygen to your head I, I said it was kind of like drinking a couple beers, you know, because okay. that impairs impairs your thinking. Hopefully, your hopefully your students didn't know that. Yeah, right. that sensation. Yeah. I'm sure they do now, but back then, I hope they didn't. But um, yeah, and then they give you a little quiz, and you you take the quiz and everything, and you know, you're kind of like I said, it'd be like taking a a quiz, kind of drunk, you know, because you're just feeling kind of good, you know, and you see what kind of person the kids are. There was one young man who just sat there like a bump on a log. I'm sure he's a riot at parties. Um, <laughs> one of my one of my students, Belinda, she just giggled the whole time. So I'm sure she's fun, you know, the the happy person at a party. But um, it was interesting. Yeah, no kidding. I, I bet that. I mean, what an experience for your four students. You said, yeah, four. Michael didn't get. To, wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, how cool is that? Yeah, to say you did that. And then they then they started, you know, you're at twenty five thousand feet, they call it. And then they start pumping air in to bring you back down to sea level. And, you know, you got to equalize your ears. Have you ever, you know, the they teach, oh, yeah. they teach you how to plug your nose and blow out through the eustachian tubes. They call it a valsalvo, which I didn't know it had a name. I just thought it clear in my ears. And, you know, some of the kids, their ears wouldn't clear. And so they would have to stop the stop the air, stop letting the air in. And then, you know, they had special procedures that they did it so they didn't blow the kids' eardrums. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. I've, I've never had an issue with that. I can clear my ears pretty quickly, but, uh, you know, if you can't, wow, that'd be extremely uncomfortable and dangerous. Oh yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure there was about a million waivers you had to sign too. There were matter of fact, all my students and I had to go get a, uh, a flight physical before this we had to go to a doctor and i got the doctor to donate it but we had to get a flight physical and pass that before we could do this yeah nasa was very stringent in you know who they who they let on the planes 
And, and and so after that uh, simulated elevation experience, what what was the process to to actually getting on the plane and experiencing zero gravity? Okay, then basically the rest of the week um, we worked with you know we, and we did other things, but we worked with a um, one of the NASA scientists that was assigned to us, and ours had to, happened to be Dr. Jennifer Rockless. I forget her. she's married now. I forget her name, but I'll I'll pass this on to her. And she was working with the robotic um, portion of NASA at that time where they developed Robonaut. Robonaut is a um, very, very advanced um, robot that has an opposable thumb. Okay. And what we were doing, I mean, they, um, Jennifer and another guy, Mike Goza, he was a nice guy. They were designing, you know, the robot and everything. Well, what we were going to do was test the software. So we weren't actually going to be moving the robot, but we had these, um, now, now you would call them virtual, virtual reality glasses, you know, kind of like you get with an, an iPhone 10 or whatever. But this is back in 2001 and NASA had these, a goggle thing that you put over your head and we had sensors that we put on our hands and our body. And you're looking through this virtual reality thing. And when you move your arm, you see the robots are moving in in the goggles. And so we did that and um, basically just practiced our procedure. Like, okay, they let us out of our seats and now we got to set it up. So we had two computers. We had our board we had to set up and everything. And you just practice the rest of the week so you could be very efficient as far as getting your experiment run. Because you had to have everything going. And then remember, we're doing 30-second intervals. So you had to do the experiment for 30 seconds. Then you got about a minute and a half to get things ready. Then then you do 30 seconds again. Wow. Now, now did you get to actually uh, do your um, proposed experiments in the, the test pool? No, we didn't. We did in our pool, our, our little experiment that we won the contest with, um, the local scuba shop, who's a friend of mine, was nice enough to donate time to us. And the kids got to go scuba diving. I was also the aquatics director at my swimming pool. So I got to use the swimming pool, basically. And we did it there. But, yeah, we never had to do it at NASA, which would have been cool. because They have like a four million gallon pool, which is wow. awesomely huge. That is that is really cool. Yeah, it was. It was. I'm sure you have tried some freeze-dried and dehydrated meals before, but I promise you, you've never had anything close to as good as Peak Refuel. Uh, they make freeze-dried meals, which is different than dehydrated. It takes way less water to cook. It cooks a lot faster, and they cook the meals before they put everything together. A lot of companies just throw all the ingredients in there, and when you cook it, it's the first time it's ever been cooked. With them, all the flavors have cooked together. It's super tasty, and you can get 20% off by going to peakrefuel.com and using the code at checkout, ASP20. Seriously, give them a shot for whatever adventures that you have planned this year. So you got to test that and get proficient with RoboNot. Yeah. Then what? Um, then, you know, like I said, we did that for a couple days. And then we basically, the last couple day or the last day or two, we did the flights. 
you know, it was kind of, you had to look at weather and everything, but we got to do the flights and, um, there were two groups. Um, there was like, I don't know, six experiments running on one plane and then they landed and another group went up in the other in the same plane, but you ran your experiments then. So what was it like? What kind of plane is it? And then what was it like walking up to it? And what were you wearing? Like what they have you outfitted in? Oh, they, they give you these cool jumpsuits. You look like an astronaut, you know, or a, <laughs> or a test pilot. Yeah. That's I said, cool. they're like, they're like something old men wear, but you know, it's kind of like that, that greenish one that Tom Cruise had on when they would fly their jets. You got to wear one of those. And that was the first time. The second time we wore a green one or blue ones, blue ones. But yeah, walking out to the plane, the plane's a KC-135. Um, it's historically known as the Vomit Comet because about 30% <laughs> of the people that fly on it actually blow chow. And um, <laughs> that that's interesting. Oh, man. Yeah, they give you plastic bags to put in your pockets because as the guy who was in charge of it said, you know, if you think about vomiting, okay, it blows out, it goes down. Now, zero gravity, it comes out of your mouth and it's a, it goes straight all the way, you know, until it hits something. And he said he had been baptized nine times in his, you know, career as a flight instructor on this. Yeah, if you had to puke, you had to grab a bag, put it over your mouth and puke into the bag, which I'm proud to say out of my four students and Dr. Rockless, only one of them threw up, Jennifer, but um, I, I can easily see it's not so much the zero gravity, the floating in the air that makes you sick, but it's all of a sudden when when the plane comes out of its parabola, which I, I probably need to explain that, all of a sudden now you, you go from weighing zero to weighing twice your body weight. You go from zero Gs to two Gs. So like me, I weigh about 200. All of a sudden for about 30 seconds, I weigh 400 pounds. And that does weird things to your stomach. Oh my gosh. I, I, I didn't even think about. Yeah, because I've watched plenty of zero gravity, like, you know, film from astronauts. And when they pour something out or they're eating things, just, yeah, you, you've sent something off in the direction. It continues until something stops it. And yeah. it's, I can't it's imagine awesome. a big glob of vomit coming straight towards you. Yeah. In slow yeah. motion. <laughs> I mean, on one of the flights, I actually got to do water. I, I took a little water and I squeezed it in the air. And it's just like the astronauts. Here's this blob of water floating in front of you and you go up to it and like suck it in and you you drink the water right out of the air totally cool it unreal so so you know being a physics teacher you are more than qualified to be able to explain how it works would you just tell us like people that i, I assume everyone is maybe heard of it or maybe a little familiar with it but let's just assume no one is how, how does this work how do you get in an airplane and then experience zero gravity okay yeah Sadly, one of the misconceptions among people is that NASA has a room where you can just walk in and throw a switch and people float. Well, you, you can't overcome the gravitational pull of the Earth, but you can mess with it. And that's what they've figured out. OK, you got this plane and basically think about a, a normal plane, that, a jet that you fly in and there's only the seats in back. The rest of it is all pretty much hollow with padded padding all around it. And the plane takes off and 
Um, you're in your seats in the back. The plane flies up to about 35,000 feet, and then it essentially, it has no windows either. That That's important to note because if it had windows, then you would have a frame of reference and you would see this plane dive bombing towards the ground and you'd probably freak out. But it, it's at 35,000 feet and then it basically goes at about a 45 degree angle, not straight down, but a 45 degree angle. And it matches the acceleration due to gravity, which is negative 9.81 meters per second squared. So they they can't just turn off the engines, but they have to go at a certain speed and they have this all calculated. They have to go at a certain speed dive bombing towards the earth. So in essence, the plane is falling out of the sky and you're in the plane and you're falling. So what you're really doing, I don't know if you've ever skydived, but in skydive, when you, you know, jump out, you go faster and faster and faster. Mm. That's basically what the plane is doing, but you're inside of the plane. And so you get the illusion, illusion, I guess, I don't know what the word is, but you get the sensation that you're floating because without windows, you don't know the plane is dive bombing. So you're flying along and they'll say, okay, here comes the first one. And they dive bomb the plane, but you don't feel it dive bombing. But you get that sensation like going over the top of a roller coaster where your stomach goes up, you know. You get that sensation. And next thing you know, you're floating in the air. And you're thinking, and you know, your first reactions are to throw your arms out, throw your legs out, run in the air. None of that works because it's air and so it can't help you move and um you just start it falls you know the plane's going down accelerating as it goes and you're inside of it so you're just floating there and then after about 25 30 seconds they say uh feet down coming out and you have about three seconds to figure out where you are because the plane is gonna come to the bottom of the loop and go down and start going back up and you need to find a place to land and so you just basically land on the floor and you might be on top of somebody if you had it timed wrong you you land on the floor and the plane starts going back up so now you're pulling two g's and you weigh twice your weight then it levels out and you have about a minute of being normal and they do it all over again. And so each parabola, as you go down, you have 30 seconds of weightlessness, about 10 seconds of two Gs, and then about a minute or so while the plane climbs up again to to um, be back to normal and set your experiment up and stuff like that. Wow. So with that 2G uh, time frame, is it dangerous if you were on top of somebody? No, not really. Not really. I mean, the second time I did it, which I'll tell you about a little later, I mean, you land on people, they land on you, but, you know, it'd be like having your 400-pound cousin sit on your lap for a second or something, but <laughs> now you can't. I've got one. <laughs> yeah. It, it, you know, you got to be careful because if, like, you're at the top, the the ceiling of the plane, when he says that, you know, you got a couple seconds. Elsewise, you're going to fall. That's where you could hurt somebody. You know? so, so all that science and all that uh, just completely sophisticated 
human ability. It's still just as simple as you got three seconds or you're going to slam against the bottom of the plane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically, basically. That is so. So how many times do they do that process during a normal uh, flight like that? Uh, the, the one that you can purchase um, for five and a half thousand bucks, they give you 15 parabolas. Uh, you know, basically seven and a half minutes, you know, 30 seconds at time, seven and a half minutes of, of zero G. When we did it for NASA, uh, the first time I did it, we did, I want to say, 40 to 50 parabolas. And yeah, we were out over the uh, Gulf Holy of Mexico. Cow. Yeah, yeah, we got our money's worth. No kidding. But we had, we had these experiments to perform. So most of that time, you know, we were uh, hooked up like we had one kid running the computers. One kid was um, doing the... Uh, had the virtual reality helmet on and the sensors. And so actually doing the experiment and the other person was like the timekeeper and that, yeah. So we, we did that. And then they said, okay, at the end of it, we'll give you about eight parabolas to just play. And that's when, you know, you do your flips and you push off things and you, you take the handful of M&Ms and you let them float in the air and you eat them out of the air and the water and stuff like that. It was fun. That's so cool. So, so uh, how long did that entire experience last? 40 to 50 seems like you uh, there a while. Yeah, the first time we were out about an hour and a half, but we had to fly out all over the Gulf of Mexico. I don't know if, yeah, both times I've done it have been over the Gulf of Mexico. They say they like to, they like to be over the ocean, not, not that you would live if the plane didn't come out, but they say... For people on the ground, when they see these planes dive bombing at the ground, it, it causes panic, you no know, <laughs> and then so they like to be out where there's not a lot of people when they when they run these flights. Wow. So so what's the starting elevation of, of the parabola and what's the uh, the highest and the lowest, do you think? Yeah, I think it's around 35 to 22, so about a 12,000-foot drop. Uh, that could change depending on a lot of things, but yeah, it's about 12,000 or 35 to 22,000. So you're still up there pretty high. Yeah, I'm sure for you know a fishing boat or something out there to see that. Oh shoot! Probably pretty confusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't wow, know how that well. That is you... so cool. Yeah, but it's it's an awesome feeling. You know, just you're, you're sitting there and the next thing you know, you know, and I, I've skydived and I've scuba dived, but the, the next thing you know, you're floating in the air and it's really hard to describe it. There's no, you know, like like we're sitting in chairs right now and the pressure on your butt and the pressure on your feet and your spine is getting compressed and all that. You don't have that in zero gravity. Matter of fact, they say an astronaut grows like a quarter to a half inch when they're on the International Space Station because you don't have that compression of gravity. And so it, it's weird. I've always said that the, the coolest feeling in the world that I ever had was when my daughters were born. But this runs a really, really, really close second place. It's just an awesome <laughs> Uh, that's understandable. That's a pretty unique experience, I'd have to say. Yeah, yeah. So, so what was one of the most surprising things that you felt or noticed that we wouldn't think of or you didn't think of beforehand? Eey. Uh, like I said, just the the feeling of it. You know, I mean, all of a sudden, 
I being a physics teacher, we taught Newton's laws and the, the, the coolest thing to me was, you know, if you throw something like you throw a football and you throw it straight uh, horizontal, it's going to go down to the ground. Right. You know, gravity pulls it down. Bullets and all that. They all get pulled down. Right. This one, you know, my student was about 15 feet away from me and I took a little ball, a little bouncy ball or whatever, and I threw it to him and it just went str- in a straight line right to it. Wow. You know, the direction that I threw it, it went. And so it's taken out, you know, Newton's uh, laws, laws, three laws of motion come into play because an object in motion remains in motion unless outside forces act upon it. Well, gravity's not acting upon it. So that sucker's just going to keep going straight. That is so cool. Time for a quick message break. So, you know, this show is brought to you by Camp Crate. They specialize in self-guided, pre-planned, all-inclusive backpacking adventures, as well as trip advice and as well as camping gear rental. So if you're in need of any of that stuff, reach out to them at campcrate.net. Very helpful and very knowledgeable. It's a great way to try backpacking for the first time or to scroll through their list of itineraries if you need some ideas on where to go. They will literally send you all your gear, your food, permits, coffee even, in a box to your front door. Use it for your trip. When you're done, return it with the pre-printed included return label. It's that easy. It makes backpacking and getting into the backcountry very approachable, very simple. Give them a shot. Now back to the episode. So when the plane dives, uh, did they ever, if they miscalculated the speed that would it ever, uh, would it ever misbehave the, the effect of the zero gravity? Did you experience that? Or are they pretty, pretty good at dialing that in? Uh, They're pretty good. I mean, these guys are pros, but, um, they're good at dialing in, but every once in a while you'd notice you would be flying or okay. Floating in the 30 seconds. And if the plane got going too fast, well, you would, the plane would move forward and you would move backwards. Or if the plane got going too slow, you would go forward in the plane. Like one time, I I don't know, they misjudged the speed a little on one of the parabolas, and I about ended up in the cockpit. I was having to grab the walls and stuff because I was falling and the plane was going slower, and so I'm going towards the front of the plane. Yeah, that was that was weird. Wow. Well, how much space did you have inside the plane? Like about just the the typical passenger plane with everything out of it? Yeah, it's not a 747 or anything like that. But just think about your average plane with like three seats on one side, two on the other. And the seats are all gone and the overhead bulk things are all gone. And they just have padding on that. No windows and stuff. So that is just too much fun, man. Yeah, You you got room to move around. I mean... You know, like one time I was, I was, I was, I wanted to do somersaults being a diving coach. I thought that'd be cool to do somersaults. So the guy got ready and he had his feet in straps so he could stand up and we started floating. He just grabbed me and flipped me. I was in a tuck position. He just flipped me and I just spun around in circles until I decided to pull my arms and legs out and stop. It was, it was interesting. <laughs> That is too crazy. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I, I would probably get sick pretty quickly. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty bad with that kind of stuff, but I would still love to experience that. So, so that's that's a once in a lifetime chance for most people. Right. And uh, 
you had the experience twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The other time was about 10 years later uh, in 2010. Uh, who was that through? Oh, that was Northrop Grumman. They're a, a huge defense contractor, you know, out there. And these these defense contractors, you know, they get all these government contracts to to build things for, you know, for our, our armed services and all that. Well, because it's a government contract, you can't have foreign people working on it. You know, like if you go to your average university, there's a lot of foreign kids studying there and they're very smart. But they can't, if you're not a U.S. citizen, you can't work for these defense contractors and stuff if they're on a government contract. And so Northrop Grumman um, sponsored the Zero-G Corporation to have teachers fly. And as teachers, you know, we're supposed to take this experiment or this uh, experience back to our students and get females and, you know, other kids interested in STEMs. You know, they they push STEMs a lot, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And um, just they were trying to stimulate us to stimulate these kids to go into your sciences and stuff like that. So that was another thing. You had to apply for it. And I got lucky enough to do it along with one of my friends, Michelle, got to do it with me. And um, we had a group of teachers doing it, elementary all the way up to high school. And, you, you you know, they have their their way of doing it. But that was, like I said, the Zero G Corporation. You can look them up on the Internet. They got a really cool plane uh, called the G-Force One, which now I think NASA uses. You know, they don't have their own plane anymore they use this corporation and this corporation goes around the, the world or the United States and does this for private people like uh, Dr. Stephen Hawking's, you know, the greatest mind in the world. He got to do it, experience it. And just a lot of, you know, celebrities and stuff can do it. They can afford it. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. So, so was that, how was that experience different than compared to like NASA? Um, it really wasn't. I mean, okay, with this with this experience, we were supposed to once again do little little uh, experiments. You know, we were just doing stuff like dropping the ball, looking at um, projectile motion. Um, does zero gravity expect uh, spring tension and stuff like that? So we had a series of little things we were supposed to do, but to be honest with you, everybody just played. You know. We, we did about 15 parabolas that time. You know, once you get there and you're going, everybody played. And you, yeah, you, you guys aren't going to discover anything too revolutionary, probably. No, so no. just just play, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's one of the funny stories that NASA told us. They said, if you think about this, everything that's on the International Space Station has been developed for use in zero gravity aboard these kind of planes. They said one of the funniest ones was the toilet. You know, they had to figure out how to make toilets work and stuff in zero gravity. No way, I did not even, I have not ever thought about that. Yeah, and he says, you know, and the poor test subjects, you got a 30-second window in order to get your business done. And so <laughs> it worked. <laughs> they, have, they have toilets that work in the space station now. So, Do you know how they work? Yeah, it's suction. I, I figured, yeah. Kind of like a vacuum. I mean, it doesn't suck your whole thing, but yeah, they, it sucks it, sucks it out. doesn't use gravity like our toilets do. 
Interesting. Yeah, I, I thought something that I was curious about was sleeping because you know you can't just lay in bed. You have to kind of be strapped into your little your little bunk, and I yeah. always found that pretty fascinating. But I don't know why I had never thought about the bathroom. That's got that's a way trickier thing to figure out. Yeah, yeah, that would be a little tougher. A little tougher. That is so cool, man. That is awesome. So, uh, any any hopes of doing it a third time? Oh, I doubt it. I'm retired now, and I don't think anybody's going to call me up and beg me to go. I'd do it in a second, you know, but uh, I, I doubt I'll I'll have the opportunity anymore. So, wow, what a I don't know. I'm sure I'm sure it was hard not to talk about it quite a bit when you got back after that first time to your family, yes. to your students. You feel like that guy on uh, uh, what's his name on Big Bang Theory that you know went to the space station and that's all he talked about. I'm sure my friends got a little sick and tired. I, mean, I know my wife probably got sick and tired of it. So that's hilarious, man. So uh, what is uh, yeah? What 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 else was something interesting about it or something you had in your notes that you'd like to share? Oh gosh, let me look at them. Altitude chamber, links and equipment. There's not a lot. You know, that's basically it. The um, the the neat part was I always, as a young kid, I always dreamed, you know, you got your bucket list in life. And my mind, mine seems to be getting bigger now that I'm retired. But um, when I was little, I, I always thought zero gravity would be the coolest thing in the world. Because, you know, like I was a diver when I was little, springboards, and, you know, you're kind of fighting gravity there. And, and we'd jump out of the barn door and land in a pile of hay and that was kind of cool and so zero gravity was always my number one on my list but you know that's you know who who gets to do that well I mean having these experiences I I actually got to check off my number one on my list so that was fun that's unbelievable that's that's yeah essentially like having being an astronaut on your list is uh, you know it's a pipe dream for most people but you got to actually experience a, a very uh one of the most, the coolest aspects of that, which is zero gravity. That's so awesome. Yeah, I wow. did apply. I did apply for NASA when they were asking for teachers to apply, but um, I, you know, I didn't get accepted, and that's fine. I'm sure they had their reasons. Plus, I don't know if my wife would let me go on, but I did apply for NASA. I thought it would be cool to get the opportunity to go to the International Space Station for a couple months or whatever, you know. Yeah, no kidding. That would be uh, among humans. It's one of the most unique things you can do. There's a comedian I like named Brian Regan, and he did this bit uh, a while back that talking about being at a dinner party and and uh, just imagine you know letting people talk about themselves and talk about all the things they've done, and but you were one of the people who had walked on the moon. And he goes, you're just sitting there eating your food, not minding, and, and you know just saying, oh yeah, very interesting, very interesting, and all you've got to say is. I walked on the moon. Yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> the conversation's over. Yeah, yeah. Drop the mic. Hey, you're done. That would be cool. That would be cool. So, so what? Uh, what kind of things are you getting into now that you're retired? What kind of sports or activities? Uh, how do you compare to zero gravity? You know, I, uh, traveling is still a big part of my my list. I want to get these trips in like we were in Iceland in September uh, we're thinking about going to Ireland and Scotland in next year and just traveling I like traveling you know and I'm while I'm young enough and can afford it I want to get it done you know 
you know, you're at that time. I, I dream about it right now, but it's the working years. Yeah, well, yeah. And that's my, my friend Craig, when he did your podcast, he pointed out, you know, younger kids. I, I, was, I was talking to some young teachers the other day. You can't see your life where I'm at, you know, or even older, 65 or anything like that. But if you could see your life, you would save a heck of a lot more money, you know, when you're young, so you could be prepared for it when you get old. I mean, that's it's such a valuable lesson to tell kids, you know, and I try and pound it into my daughters and everything. And I think they hear it. But, you know, it's tough to envision later on in life and, you know, the live for the moment type of thing. But I don't know. We had a pretty good life. You know, when we were growing up, I don't think I denied us too much or we denied too much. My wife and I both worked hard and we we traveled well. So but now we have the time and the money, the time we have now we have the time plus the money to travel. So it wow. makes it easier. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So do, so do you know if any of those uh, kids that went uh, your students that went on your zero gravity uh, experience, did any of them have a lasting effect that you know of or? Yeah, something they can talk about that's really cool now. Well, one of them, Belinda, is a uh, science teacher. And, you know, I, I see her on Facebook and she's teaching science. And I tell her, I said, you got to be the coolest teacher there because you've done that. And I think she still shows the video or shows the pictures of when we did zero gravity. So I, I'm quite proud that, you know, she went into science. I guess maybe it worked a little. You know, that was wow, their, that's awesome. their master plan to get kids interested in science. So, yeah, quite proud of her for being a science teacher. Very, very cool. Well, Kurt, man, thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thank you. You're you're a good interviewer. I, I podcasts have I've gotten interested in them in the last couple of years and I enjoy them. It's uh, it, you know, that's when I started getting interested just a few years ago. And uh, I think they're they're going to have a pretty big future, man. It's a it's a I I would choose a podcast over a TV show any day because I can go about my day driving or doing or cooking or you know a lot of the work I do honestly and still listen to something incredibly interesting. Yeah, I don't have to sit there in front of a screen. Yeah, you know it's really I think they're going to have a bright bright future ahead. So. Yeah. It's awesome. It's an awesome way to consume media. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Thank you very much for what you do. Oh, I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, all right. Well, enjoy. Enjoy your day and uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Thank you. Yes, sir. All right. See you. First of all, thank you so much for listening to the episode. Uh, Secondly, if you would like to get in touch, you can leave us a voicemail at 812-MAIL-POD. You can also send us an email, info at adventuresportspodcast.com. Get a hold of us on Facebook, Instagram. Contact us on the website. Like, There's just a thousand ways to do it. If you know somebody that would make a good guest for the show, whether they're whether it's you or somebody you know with a really cool story or background or does an interesting sport, get in touch. We'd love to have them on. Also, if you'd like to be a patron, a.k.a. a supporter of the show, patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast you can sign up for as little as a buck a month you can sign up for five bucks a month and lastly thank you to our sponsors whose messages follow right now if you want to save 20 percent off the best backpacking food on planet earth 
go to peakrefuel.com and at checkout use the code ASP20. So after all of this outdoor talk, if you're looking to plan your own getaway, head to backpacktribe.com and get ready for your next adventure. They have customized gear bundles and free shipping, and they'll be able to get you ready for any adventure that you want to tackle. Check them out, backpacktribe.com.